Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we continue our study through the book of Ephesians. And here in chapter 5, verse 1, uh, Paul says here in verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Be followers is how that translates. Followers of God as dear children. I love it because he doesn't say as dear old people, as stubborn old people as stiff-necked old people he says no as dear children i love that so much because we see the faith of a child the, the things that the the lord himself speaks of the faith of a child have you ever spoken to a young person about things of the lord from the word of god and you know how they receive it it's like whoa it's so beautiful but then have you ever talked to the an old person or an adult about the very same things and it's they're, they're not as receptive I love it so much. And this is how Paul, in exhorting the Ephesian saints, he says, be imitators of God as their dear children. And he doesn't end it there. He continues and says in verse 2, and walk in love. Walk in love. Remember the greatest gift. He doesn't say to walk in knowledge. Not to say that knowledge isn't a good thing. Knowledge is a beautiful thing. Also a gift of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say walk in tongues. He doesn't say walk in interpretation of tongues, walk in prophecy, walk in you know with the gift of prophecy. No, he doesn't say that. Not to say that these are terrible gifts. These are beautiful gifts. But remember, the greatest is love. Now, if you're listening for the first time, listen to our study through 1 Corinthians 13. And you'll see this, this uh, the, the many gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the greatest is love. And Paul says, walk in that. Walk in that. And in verse 2, walk in love as Christ also has loved us. You see, being the recipients of God's grace, mercy, and love, now we become conduits of those very things. As Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet swelling aroma. It just so happens that we look at this on Wednesday when Paul or when uh, Moses is telling Israel when he says, you know, be uh, don't forget that you were once slaves in the land. You were once servants in the land. You were once uh, 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 slaves. And so when you have a servant, when you have a slave, don't forget where you came from. You see, and it's so powerful because we have these exact same teachings as new covenant believers. Don't forget where we came from. Don't forget where you came from, my beloved brother or sister. You were once a slave in bondage. I was once a slave in bondage. And if we don't walk in love, we're going to walk in prophecy. We're going to walk in the gift of prophecy, of knowledge, of all these different things. But what about the love, you see? It's so powerful because, you know, we are the recipients of God's grace, mercy, and love. Why in the world should we not be those conduits? Why? We should be. I can't compel that on anybody. But yet we should be. We need to be. We must be. I can't compel that for anybody. I can make a choice for myself. You can make a choice for yourself. And I tell you, let us walk in love. Uh, people of the way walking in love. Now remember, we're called to be gracious. We're called to be merciful. We're called to be loving. We're called to be forgiving. But we're never, ever, 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 ever called to be stupid. Never. You never see that in the Bible. 
In fact, you see the admonition against that, the warning against that, the exhortation against that to be wise. Biblical wisdom, not worldly wisdom, biblical wisdom. And Christ, our example, who has loved us and given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, Jesus did this himself, and a sweet-smelling aroma. But then at the same time, you and me, we can learn. Do you remember when we were in our, st in our study through Leviticus? And I posed the challenge to start thinking of your life, every essence of your life, as an aroma. Every essence of your life as an aroma. Now, what is it that you want to present to the Lord? And a sweet-smelling aroma or stench? I don't, want to, I don't want for you and me to be stench. I don't want us to be stinky before the Lord. I want us to be sweet-smelling aroma before the Lord. You see? And when we start thinking of our lives like this, remember Paul, he says, when he's writing and he's an old man, he's about ready to die. He's in his, one of his prison letters. And he says to young Pastor Timothy, he says, my life is being poured out as a drink offering. You see, he himself sees his life as an offering to the Lord, a drink offering, a burnt offering. But then at the same time, when the Romans, you know, what do we do? How do we serve the Lord? How do we serve the Lord? What does Paul say? Does he say, hey, you got to tithe more? No, he doesn't say that. Oh, you got to, does he compel them to do? No, he doesn't do that. Well, you know what he says? He says, present your lives, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. How many pastors, how many teachers do you know will say that? I don't want your money, but you present your lives a living sacrifice unto the Lord. How many pastors would say that? Somebody comes to a pastor, hey pastor, what do I do to serve the Lord? What pastor do you know would say, you know what? Don't do anything except for this. I don't want your money. Don't do anything except for this one thing. Present your body a living sacrifice to the Lord. And it's so powerful when you see these things happen, Old Testament, New Testament, when a person so renders his life, so renders her life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And yet at the same time, we see this in verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you. Oh, that's hardcore. We look at these beautiful verses. I'm at one, two. It's like, wow, this is so beautiful. And boom, now you got to throw in fornication. I love that so much because in the word of God, we have the good, the bad, the ugly. A lot of times people say, oh, you know, what, what are you talking about? It's ugly. It's the word of God. What are you talking about? It's bad. It's the word of God. But people get themselves into all kinds of mess. A lot of ugly, a lot of bad. And remember, the Lord is reactionary. He responds to those things. Now, he responds in grace and mercy, in love, in kindness, in forgiveness. But when those things are ignored and not heeded, it gets a little heavy. In some cases, a lot of heavy. That's when you start to see judgment and wrath. But remember, the Lord responds. And his first response isn't wrath. His first response isn't judgment. His first response is love, grace, mercy, forgiveness. You see? And so now we get into a little bit, a lot of bit of ugly here in verse 3. But fornication, which is porneia in the Greek. Does that ring a bell? 
porneia, where we get the word pornography, men, women too. You know, the rise of pornography in these last days, it's not a coincidence that you see the rise of pornography nowadays. And yes, it's all over the world, but the world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. It's all over the church. Men and women, young teenage girls, and oh, I want a boyfriend, I want a boyfriend, and I need to please him, and you know, uh, sexually, and I don't know what to do, so I'm going to watch this pornography so I can please him. It's all over the place. It's infecting, the, it's, it's, it's like a cancer in the church. It's terrible. And yet, what does Paul say? Oh, we're all sinners saved by grace. No big deal. No, he doesn't say that. Now, I'm not this, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, we're all sinners saved by grace, which is true, but never, ever, ever use that as a cop-out. Never use that as a cop-out. Remember, he says to the prostitute, Jesus Christ, he says to the prostitute, go and sin no more. He says to everybody, go and sin no more. You see, and it's so powerful because it's like, what about, what is the expectation in my life, in your life? What is the expectation? Well, let us grow. Let us mature. Let us lay aside those things which so easily ensnare us and let us move on to perfection or completeness. And a lot of Christians never get to that state of maturity, to the full stature of Christ, to the fullness of Christ, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, what we studied last week in verse 13, chapter 4. Many never get to that point. You know why? Because of the flesh, because of the world, temptation. And instead of having victory, a lot of Christians, oh, we're all sinners saved by grace. I'm going to do my sex. We're all sinners saved by grace. I'm going to do my crack. We're all sinners saved by grace. I'll tell my little white lies. We're all sinners saved by grace. That's what happens. Sometimes people don't, you know, I don't like how you say it like this. I don't like how you talk like this. Why? Is, is, is it not happening? Are, are we to, to, to bury our heads and pretend it's not, it's not happening? Put our heads in the sand to pretend it's not happening? No, it, it's happening. A lot of cleansing needs to happen. There's a lot of sin in the camp. There's a lot of sin in the camp. And Paul says, but fornication and all uncleanness or impurity or covetousness, let it not even be named among you or uttered among you. Imagine the shock of Paul when he got Chloe's letter from the Corinthian saints. He gets Chloe's letter, and then all of a sudden he finds out what's happening. The sexual sin, the alcoholism, the extortion, all these works of the flesh. If you remember our study through 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians is a very, very difficult book. Very, very difficult book to study. Not, not in studying, not in applying. Uh, well, that varies depending on what kind of works of the flesh that any person has. It can be difficult to apply, just like any other aspect of the scripture. But it's very difficult because, you know, when you're a teacher or when you're a pastor, what happens is that you have to teach the word of God, the everything. You can't candy coat anything. Otherwise, you'll be disobedient, and that's not good. You'll have to answer to the Lord. But when you teach the word of God, especially in a personal fellowship environment, you know people who are involved with certain things. 
And yet when you teach the word, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, I know I have to say this, but I don't want to say this. You know, I know I got to say this, but I don't want to say it because you don't want to hurt anybody. But at the same time, when it's the Lord, that's not hurting per se, but chastising and chastisement does have an element of pain to it. Now, when I say that, turn with me really quick. To Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, the word of God reveals this. Now, no chastening, think of like a spanking. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. You see, there's there's pain associated with the spanking. You know, like children, there's pain associated with the spanking. I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to spank me when I was really little. She used to really spank me. And I, like when I was little, it like hurt. But then as I got older, it didn't hurt anymore. I, I think I was like three, four, and then, you know, it didn't, it, it started not to hurt anymore because she thought, oh, he's just a little kid. I'm not going to do this too hard. And then one time she looked down at my face and she was like, I was like, oh, you know, don't do that. It hurts. It hurts. But I was faking it, you know, because it, it didn't hurt at all. And so she says, okay, now, you know, I, I revealed to her by my behavior, I revealed to her that it was time for an upgrade. And now from that moment, she stopped the, the, the disciplining and it was my dad <laughs> and he didn't play games. No wooden spoon, no hand, a beautiful, beautiful black leather belt. And I love that belt. I didn't like it at the time, but I love it because that beautiful black leather belt, it saved me from all my friends started to do criminal activity you know, breaking into homes, stealing cars and, you know, doing all kinds, you know, being out late at night and stealing cars, going out on joy rides, getting drunk and doing all kinds of stupid things. You know what I thought? I didn't care about the police. I didn't care about the police at all. I didn't care about, you know, juvenile hall at all. I didn't care about juvie or the cops, any of that. But I did have deep, deep, deep concern for that beautiful black leather belt. You see? It's painful. The same thing in our walk with the Lord. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained like it. You see? And all my friends that went to jail, all my friends went to juvie, except for me. (laughs) You know, praise the Lord for that beautiful black leather belt. And so at the same time, we look at these Passages in Ephesians 5, this is hardcore stuff. Holy, holy. Now, whenever your life does not align, whenever your aroma does not align with that of Scripture, you have a choice to make. Your heart can harden as you refuse these holy truths or your heart can soften as it accepts the chastisement as you repent before the Lord and are cleansed by the Lord. You see, you have a choice to make. Anytime you read the Bible and you feel that conviction of the Spirit, you feel that, oh my goodness, that's like chastisement. Like, oh my goodness, that's like a knife in my heart. I love that so much because the Holy Spirit will never put a knife in your back. Never. But it'll put a knife in your heart. But it's a good knife. It's to kill you in one sense. It's to kill the old nature. To kill the old man. To kill the old woman. But you know what happens? 
We fight him. We tend to fight him. Dig our heels in. Become stiff-necked. It's an age-old problem. It's one of the conditions of man. But when we're chastised, something's happening. We're at a fork in the road where we can say, Lord, I like the sex. I like the drugs. I like this. And I'm going to keep doing it. Or that's not good. Don't do that. That's the way of the uncircumcised. That's how you get your heart hard. But when you repent, when you yield to the word of God, when you yield to the spirit of the Lord, when we yield to him, you and me, when we yield to him, something supernatural happens. It's that renovation that we study. It's that renovation that we read about. And we don't just read about it. Now we experience it. The old man is dead. The old woman is dead. Many Christians reach this level. Many many Christians don't reach this level because they play games with sin. I mean, have you ever talked to a believer and it's like, you know, wow, you know, when you were in the world, you used to be on drugs and sex and now you're a Christian and you're still on drugs and sex. No change. Why? No yielding to the Lord. That's why. Straight up, it's... It's pretty easy. It's, I mean, a lot of times people, they write these huge books, you know, they want to, you know, 500 page books on, you know, why this is happening, why this isn't happening. But let's just be straight up. Let's just boil it down. Will you and me yield to the Lord together? Will we? Now, you and me, we have a choice to make. These are hardcore, you know, in, in, in verse three, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not even be named or uttered among you. The church today, just in reading this, we're not even done with verse 3. But just in reading this, let it not even be named or uttered among you. What does that tell you today about the church? The church today is in trouble. Is in trouble. Why? Because there's manginess in the camp. Manginess. Remember in our studies through the Old Testament, through the Torah, through Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and all these offerings unto the Lord. Nothing mangy, nothing mangy. You see? And to these saints in Ephesus, fornication, uncleanness, covetous, let it not even be named among you. Now, there is a beauty to Ephesus too. Because in Corinth, you know, in Ephesus, Paul is saying, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, let it not even be named among you or uttered among you. But in Corinth, Paul just says, okay, straight up, now you remnant, now you have to separate from the fornicators, the unclean and the covetous, those with covetousness. Now you got to separate from them. Why? Because nobody in Corinth told those saints, hey, this isn't good. You need to repent. You see? But in Ephesus, you have this, wow, you see this, you see this level of maturity. It's different. Ephesus is not Corinth. Ephesus is not Galatia. Ephesus is Ephesus. Now, you say like, well, wait a second, but we're all saints. Yes, we're all saints. But then comes the level of maturity. Remember, when you read Revelation chapter 2 and 3, you see, you know, to, to the uh, seven churches, seven churches, only two are on point. There's only, there's seven churches, and there's only two where the Lord read letters. 
does not say repent. Only two. That means the large majority there's issues with. And the Lord says, repent or I will remove your lampstand. Repent or I'll, I'll remove your name from the book of life. You see? Only two are on point with the Lord. That says the majority has issues. The majority is in trouble. The church today is in trouble. Because you read verse 3. Fornication, porneia, uncleanness, impurity, or covetous, covetousness. Let it not have been named among you as is fitting for the saints or proper for the saints. And you know what happens today? A lot of times people say, oh, you know, don't judge me lest you be judged. Don't judge me lest you be judged. Now, a Christian can never crino, which is to judge in a condemnation way, which is to, you know, you know, say, oh, you're going to burn in hell. No, no Christian can do that. Only Jesus Christ can do that. No Christian can say, oh, you're going to burn in hell. Flat out. No Christian can say that. But a Christian can. There's derivatives of crino in the Greek, which is anacrino and diacrino, which is to make a distinction. So Paul is using anacrino and diacrino, a determination, knowing the condition of man, the condition of woman, to say to the saints in Ephesus, this fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness, let it not even be uttered among you. Don't even mess around with that stuff. Don't even, don't even let, let like, like it not even applied to you at all. And this is a little warning. Let it not even be named among you. He says that using anacrino and diacrino to the Ephesian saints. But to the Corinthian saints who didn't heed that, let it not even be named among you. To the Corinthian saints, there was nobody, you know, where were the pastors, where were the elders, the, the defunctness. The state of Corinth, not in all, but in the majority. Beautiful Chloe's house, not in her house. Little Bible study, not in her house. But Paul, also using anacrino and diacrino, says to the remnant, okay, separate from these, separate from these saints. They're believers. They believe in Jesus Christ. Separate from them. But because of their carnal nature, because of their worldliness, because they haven't been yielding to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God, now the fruit is evident. And now you remnant separate from those in Corinth, you see, that are partakers of these works of the flesh. Now, remember when I say that, those works of the flesh have been uncorrected and been stewing and growing for three years. Three years. So this isn't like, you know, oh, this guy uh, 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 smoked a cigarette, you know, uh, last week. And so I'm going to separate from him from forever. You know, I'm, he's not my brother anymore. No, it's not like that. But in the course of time, if there's no correction, then separation needs to happen. And remember, only the crucified can correct. Only the crucified can correct, such as Paul, such as Chloe. Chloe goes to the male covering, the male headship, which is Paul. You see? Remember, if you're listening for the first time, purpose in your heart. 
purpose in your heart to listen to our study through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And also Galatians, get yourself caught up. Because there are these levels of maturity, these stages of maturity as we grow in Christ. And we see this element, this aspect of spiritual warfare and how Satan attacks at different stages of growth. These attacks of Satan will be nonstop until the day we die. But what is death? Death has no sting. Death has no victory. Why? Because of God's promises for those who abide in Christ. And so a lot of times people, oh, don't judge me lest you be judged. No, it's not. Paul is judging, but he's not condemning to hell. But Paul is using anacrino and diacrino to make a determination of what do these saints need to do. These saints in Ephesus, there's the warning. Don't do this stuff. Let it not even be named among you. Now, for the Corinthian saints, when it is named among them, okay, remnant, separate. What about the church today? What about the church today? When, when Paul says, let these things not even be named among you, can these things be named in the churches today? Now, you might be listening. You might not have a church. You might be kind of uh, uh, nomadic, we'll say. No fellowship. And, and not that that's a bad thing. Me personally, I believe that's a beautiful thing. I believe the last day's model is no longer a church setting. More a home fellowship model. And, you know, we're, we're going to have prophecy updates and we're going to look at passages where, you know, you're going to see these, these uh, 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 prophecies about a, a home model. It's very important to understand scripture. Because perilous times are not coming. Perilous times are here. Times of sorrows are here. Now, if you're in a fellowship, if you're in a fellowship, and these things, these things can be named among them, the fornication, the pornea, the uncleanness, which is impurity, and the covetousness. Well, to, to Ephesians, it's just a little warning, like, okay, let these things not be named among you. But when it was named among Corinth, Paul says, okay, remnant, separate. You see, not even to eat with such a person. And I say that to not challenge you, but I say that to comfort you. Because what happens, there's a lot of believers, male, female, young, old, a lot of believers who have been going to the same church for decades, like families, no families, and, you know, parents, no kids, and other kids, and kids, no parents, the kids grow up, and they have kids themselves, and there's this sense of belonging, and fellowship, ecclesia, hagios, it's beautiful, but what happens when the church becomes crazy? What happens when the church becomes crazy? When these works of the flesh are made evident. Now, you, in, in Ephesus, these fellowships, you know, yes, fellowship with the saints is beautiful. Ephesian saints, okay, yes. Philippians, oh, beautiful. Safety. Good pastors. Good elders. Pastors and elders who are beautiful coverings for the saints that the Lord has them uh, that the Lord has to has the pastor and elder to shepherd. These pastors and elders are beautiful in Ephesus and and and, and, and Philippians. 
But in Corinth? You see? But in Galatia? And that's not to say that the threat isn't there because remember the Miletus meeting. Listen to our study through Acts 20. In the Miletus meeting, Paul says to the elders of Ephesus, hey, wolves are going to come in and even among yourselves, you're going to turn into wolves. He says, I know this is going to happen after my departure. Now, Paul's not getting on a high horse and saying, look how awesome I am. No, he's, he's a vessel of the Lord. And he knows that when the wolf comes, he's going to kill the wolf, metaphysically speaking. But he knows he has a job to do, and he's obedient to the Lord. And in obedience to that calling, he's serving the Lord. And so he says to the elders, after my departure, I know these ravenous wolves will come in. You see? And so I say this to comfort you. If you're listening, and you're in a fellowship that is straight up crazy, where you see these works of the flesh, the fornication, the uncleanness, the covetousness, and no pastor or elder has corrected them. Or pastors and elders have attempted to correct, but they themselves are compromised. Remember, only the crucified can correct. What is being revealed to you, my beloved brother, my beloved sister? What is being revealed to you? The works of the flesh. The formula must be right. Because I've had these conversations with people, beautiful, beautiful Christians, and it's very difficult for them to leave a fellowship that they've been plugged into for a long time and a part of for a long time. But what happens when the church becomes crazy? You have to separate. Our loyalty, your loyalty and my loyalty, is not to a church. It is to Jesus Christ. Him alone. Your marriage unto Him, my marriage unto Him. Our loyalty is to Jesus Christ. And where you find alliance to, alliance to Jesus Christ and in a, a yielding to Him in accordance with the Word, the real Jesus Christ, the Word became flesh, Genesis to Revelation, where you find that, you find safety. Where you find a pastor who teaches such, you find a beautiful, beautiful covering and it is safe for you. Because look at, you know how dangerous, turn with me really quick to Hebrews. In Hebrews 17. I'm sorry, Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 17. And the writer says here in Hebrews 13, verse 17, obey those who rule over you. Now he's speaking about pastors. I mean, he's speaking to parishioners, but about pastors. Now, to the parishioners, he's saying, or the pew Christians, the field. Remember, we make the distinction between worker and field. Now, he's saying to the field, to the pews, to the parishioners, he's saying, obey those who rule over you or lead you and be submissive, which is a choice, is to submit self. For they watch out for your souls. And how that translates is they stay awake. They are sleepless, watching out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. In a nutshell, what's being said here is for the parishioners, for the field, for the pew believers, submit to your pastors. That's what's being said here. And yes, it is very, very beautiful, but it is also very, very 
dangerous. Because it's not just a blanket statement to say, okay, submit to your pastors. There are other biblical qualifiers to say, okay, now it's beautiful for the field. It's beautiful for the parishioner. It's beautiful for the pew believers to, yes, submit to the pastor. And in obedience, a Christian does that. But don't forget there are biblical qualifiers. The man who you submit to, the pastor who you submit to, the man. Now, if you're employing this verse and applying this verse to your life and the pastor is female, you're in the wrong. She's absolutely in the wrong, but you are in the wrong because you're submitting yourself to a female pastor and biblically females cannot be pastors. You are in error. She is in sin and she's in error. But you also are in error and in sin. You need to repent. There's no safety in that. Oh, but she's a great teacher. She's a great teacher. The formula must be right. The formula must be right. I mean, if a female pastor... I do my air quotes because females can't be pastor. But if a female pastor, I'm doing my air quotes. If a female pastor teaches Hebrews 13 verse 17, you know, oh, I'm a pastor. Obey, obey those who rule or lead over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account give account. And the female pastor is, oh, look, this is what I do for you. I don't sleep. And the female pastor says, you know, I watch out for your soul. I care for you. I study. I do all these things and I teach you. Do you realize when she stands before the Lord, she's in huge trouble. She's in huge, huge, huge trouble. Why? Because the formula isn't right. And she can't say she didn't know. She can't say, well, Lord, I didn't know because the Bible is explicitly clear. And the the, the measurement of judgment on her is going to be heavier. Why? Because she's a teacher, because she's in ministry. Let not many be teachers. That's why Brother James says, let not many be teachers. And that's that's her as a, I'm doing my air quotes, as a pastor. Because biblically, she's unqualified to pastor. Why? Because she's female. All coverings are male. Old Testament, New Testament, all coverings are male. And if you're a believer and you, it's so beautiful for you to apply this verse to your life and be submissive to your pastor. But there are also biblical qualifiers. Is your pastor female? You're, she's absolutely in the wrong. And she will be judged. But that's a transaction, her and the Lord. What about you and the Lord? I'm telling you today, you are in the wrong. If you're submitting yourself to a female pastor, you are in the wrong. And I want you to be right with the Lord. Why? Because I love you. And I desire to watch out for your soul. You need a male covering. Get a new pastor. Get a new pastor. You see? Now, if you're submitting yourself to a pastor and he's a money preacher, that's a transaction. Him and the Lord, that's a, that's a separate transaction. You and another transaction are in the wrong. Because yes, you're submitting yourself to a pastor, but he's a money preacher. He's a hireling or even and or a servant of Satan. You see? 
you are in the wrong. If you're submitting yourself to, you know, the uh, 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 the mark of the beast pastors who say it's okay to take the mark of the beast, you are in the wrong. If you're submitting yourself to the pastor who says, let's go grave soaking, you are in the Between the pastor and the Lord, that's between him and the Lord. That's between her and the Lord. That's between them. It's a separate transaction. But if you, in applying this verse, being submissive to those who watch out for your soul, if the formula isn't right in what you see in observing the fruit, a pastor, you know, you want to submit to him, but he's beating his wife and he's on his third marriage and his previous wives are still alive. The formula is wrong. Don't submit to such a fool. Don't follow that example of foolishness. And I tell you this to provide comfort for you because a lot of Christians, beautiful, beautiful saints of the Lord, have a hard time, and I get it, have a hard time leaving a church. But don't forget that judgment comes first to the church and judgment is coming. The same way Lot was in Sodom. Judgment came to Sodom. But Lot had to get out with his family. How would, how, would it, how would it have been if Lot stayed there, not heeding the call? Oh, but I, I love Lot, so, or I love uh, Sodom so much. I love this so much. Look, I got my favorite restaurants are over here. I like shopping over here. I know the angel of the Lord says this, but I, you know, I, I like this restaurant. They got, you know, good pasta. Good steak. I like this restaurant. I'm loyal to I know the business owner. I'm loyal to him. I just want his business to, to succeed. You see? And I say this metaphorically speaking, but we have that same mentality when it comes to the church. Oh, I, I just love this church. I've been going here for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, my whole life. I've been in here. But what happens when the church goes crazy? When the church becomes defunct, your loyalty is not to a church. Your loyalty, my loyalty, is to Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High God, who is coming again to receive His bride. You see? Bride. That's you. Preparation for this holy marriage unto him. That's happening now. But it cannot happen in a fellowship where the formula is wrong. You see? Oh, but my female pastor, she's so awesome and she's, you know, she takes care of my kids. You know, she's a babysitter on the side and she takes care of my kids, all these things. That's nice. The formula is not right. Leave. I mean, still hire as your babysitter if she's willing. It'd probably be awkward. But leave. Why? Because the bridegroom is coming. And nothing mangy. Remember, nothing mangy. The bridegroom is coming. How will he find you? I mean, he will find you, but how? in, in what manner, in what condition will he find you? Waddling in the mud? Eating vomit? That's not the bride he wants. 
the bride he wants will be beautiful. Beautiful. Corrupted not by the things of the world. Not corrupted by the things of the world. How does that happen? You and me today, we make these choices walking in obedience to the Lord and it happens from His Word. You and me yielding to Him. You see? So when we see these passages like in Ephesians, let's go to Ephesians 5. When He says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetous, let it not even be named among you. You and me, we yield to Him. And say, okay, I don't want this named among me. I don't want this named in me. So, I'm not going to do it. You see? Oh, but it's so difficult. It's so difficult. Okay, I get it. You need a helper. The Holy Spirit. Oh, but I'm a Christian. I'm automatically, I, I automatically have the Holy Spirit. What? That's not in the Bible. Don't forget that. Remember when uh, uh, Philip the Evangelist, you know, he, he, he preached Jesus Christ and he preached the gospel. And all these people believed. They were believers. You say, wow, praise the Lord. You know, they all have the Holy Spirit. No, they did not have the Holy Spirit. They believed in Jesus Christ. They repented and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but they did not have the Spirit. Paul and John came to town and they perceived that the Holy Spirit had not fallen on any of them. And what did Paul or what did uh, 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 Peter and John do? Peter and John, they perceived that the Holy Spirit had not fallen on anybody. And so they laid hands on them. Now, this isn't like, you know, the tricksters, the tricksters you see on, on TV. These are holy men who laid hands on these people and they received the Holy Spirit. So they were believers, but they did not have the Holy Spirit until these holy men came into town. Peter and John, you see. And even still, the Holy Spirit skipped over one by the name of Simon because of the wickedness in his heart. You see, a lot of times people say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, so I automatically have the Holy Spirit. I'm automatically sealed. Well, wait a second. Don't forget there are biblical examples of the Holy Spirit not being in people who believe. You need the helper. The Paracletus. And so we see fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, let it not even be named among you. Now, if you're listening and you're in a fellowship, you're like, oh my goodness, we have fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness all over the place. Even the pastor is compromised. You need to leave. Judgment comes first in the house of God. You're like Lot in Sodom. You see? You need to get out. And don't look back. You need to get out. Where do I go? Where do I go? You'll be hard-pressed to find a Bible-believing church in a Bible-teaching fellowship. From a pastor, a godly man. You'll be hard pressed. But the home fellowship model, which I firmly believe is the last day's model for the church. And when I say church, I'm talking about bride of Christ. Which is very forward looking because the marriage hasn't happened yet. But it is coming. And I say these things to comfort you. Because I don't want you to be in this state of sorrow and depression while you're in a fellowship that is defunct instead of being in a fellowship like in Corinth you don't have anybody a lot of pastors today are chicken they don't want to say hey you guys no more sex no pornography no you need to repent they don't I, 
Why? I've had these conversations with pastors before. Pastors who say, I don't want to teach the hard things in the Bible because people will leave. And if people leave, you know what that means? No tithing. And if no tithing, you know what that means? No paycheck. Hirelings. Hirelings. A large majority of pastors hireling. A large majority of pastors are uh, even wolves themselves. Some don't even know. Some don't understand these deep spiritual things and they teach on things they ought not to teach. You see? And I don't want you to be entangled in a fellowship that can be dangerous for you. Now, the fellowship of the saints is entirely beautiful, but the formula must be right. What's happening in Ephesus? You don't see that. You don't see these things in Corinth. Corinth was in a terrible state. And yet you needed godliness, righteousness. And it started with beautiful, 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 beautiful Chloe. I am so in love with her. Beautiful Chloe to say, wow, something's wrong in Corinth. What in the world is happening? What do I do? I'm going to go fight the pastor. I'm going to go fight the elder. No, she in herself in yielding to the word of God. She goes to her male covering, a beautiful male covering by the name of Paul. And those in Chloe's household. There's something wrong in Corinth, Paul. Paul catches wind of it. He finds out from the letter and he writes 1 Corinthians. See? And now 1 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians 1, 2, 3 says, you guys are babies in chapter 3. You're still on milk. Yes, they're believers, but where is obedience? You see? Now to those who are obedient, which is the remnant, he says now, separate from them. Don't even eat with them. Why? Because they're leaven. It's not because, oh, be, you know, separate from them so you can be a jerk. Separate them for, so you can be mean-spirited. No, it's just the opposite. Your, your heart, your mind is beautiful. It's soft before the Lord. Separate from them. The leaven. Because a little leaven leavens the bunch. And I've had these conversations with Christians, long conversations. Christians who don't want to leave the church. There's nothing to be sad about in leaving leaven. I mean, I shouldn't say it that way. There's nothing to be worried about in leaving leaven. Because it is biblical. It's in obedience to the Lord. Yes, it's sorry, sorrowful for you know those who are leaven. But for this remnant, it's beautiful. Because when you read, listen to our study through 1 Corinthians. Now, when you read 1 Corinthians, you get into chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 6, 7, and then you get into chapter 2 Corinthians, the second letter, and this remnant, they're being... They're growing. They begin to grow. It's almost like Chloe in that house. Beautiful, beautiful Chloe. It's all, you know, the arrested development of the bunch stunted the growth of the whole. And there was no maturity. So yes, there's a sadness. But then at the same time, the remnant is obedient to the Lord. And in that, there is joy. In that, there is rejoicing. Outside of that, Paul says, your rejoicing isn't good. So sometimes people get mad when I say, I come out of my people. people. What are you talking? You're trying to break up fellowships? 
I'm not trying to break up fellowships. But through disobedience, people do that themselves. Pastors do that themselves. Because I teach a, a, a fellowship that is not of this world. You see? It's called the remnant. You and me yielding to the word of God, being guided by the spirit of the Lord. And I say this to comfort you. Because judgment is coming to the house of God. It's coming to the church first. Before it comes to the world, it's coming to the church. And I want you safe. You see? And so we see in verse 3, chapter 5, Ephesians, fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named or uttered among you as is fitting, as is proper for the saints. Neither, there's more, it's not just that, there's more. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, that's lewd jokes, lewd jokes, which are not fitting. You see, the church today is in trouble. Are not proper, the church today is in trouble. And you know, we all, we all hear the saying, you know, we're all sinners saved by grace, which is true. We are all sinners saved by grace, but don't use that as a cop-out. Don't use that as an excuse for sin. We can sin less and less and less and less as we mature. When you're done sinning, you're going to be dead. You see? Don't use the, oh, we're all sinners as a cop-out, as an excuse for sin. We need to move on to perfection, laying aside those things which so easily ensnare us. And these things which are not fitting, he says in, at the end of verse 4, but rather giving of thanks. It's a heart of gratitude. Gratitude unto the Lord, an act of worship unto the Lord. You see? Now, if you have a problem with a thankful heart, if you have a problem with a uh, a, a, a thankful heart. In entitlement mentality, which is very common among millennials and the Z generation. I love you. If that's you, millennials and generation Z, I love you. But I find this a lot among the, the millennials and Z generation. If you have a problem with the entitlement mentality, and you have a problem having a thankful heart. A heart of gratitude. Yes, absolutely unto the Lord. Absolutely unto the Lord. But in the manifestation of those things, that this heart of gratitude unto the Lord, what is revealed is you see the fruit of the flesh and that, that trickles down to people. Entitlement mentality to the Lord is bad. But you see the entitlement mentality among people too. And we look at the fruit. And if that's you, you have to be honest with yourself. Before the Lord, be honest with yourself. If you have a problem with gratitude and a thankful heart, yes, unto the Lord, but also unto people. Be very, very, very careful with what you perceive to be the Lord. Be very careful with what you perceive to be the Lord. Because your heart needs to be softer. Your heart can't be a rock. Your heart can't be pine. Your heart can't be oak. Your heart can't be balsa. Your heart needs to be jello, nice and soft. 
And if you have the entitlement mentality and your, you know, uh, gratitude is something that is very difficult for you, your heart needs to be soft. And where you see hardness of heart, that's not good. And I don't say this to hurt you. I say this to help you. Because our hearts, your heart and my heart, we need to be softer than the softest jello in these last days. This giving of thanks, it's beautiful in Ephesus. Corinth had a problem with this. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Once the separation happened, once the, the, the separation from the leaven happened, things got a little different, but there was still chastisement on the remnant. Remember, do I praise you in this? I don't praise you. Do I praise you in that? I don't praise you. Verse 5, for this you know, for this you know in the Greek, tuto este ginosko, tuto este ginosko in the Greek. You know what that means? You already know this. That's what it means. Nothing new. A lot of repetition in the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, a lot of repetition, 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 repetition. You know why? Because we forget. For this you know, that no fornicator, which is pornos. Pornos. It's, you know, it's not pornea. Similar. It's pornos, which is the whoremonger, the prostitute, the, 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 those in debauchery. You see? And you see that a lot today. Oh, I'm an influencer. I'm on social media. I'm an influencer. I'm an influencer. What? You're an influencer? Yes, I got a million followers. I got, you know, two million followers. A lot of times people have a lot of followers because they don't wear a lot of clothes. That's debauchery. You see? If that's you, you're female. Modesty is beautiful. The world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. But there's a problem when Corinth comes into the church, when the world comes into the church. Oh, but I'm an influencer. Look, I get all these special perks from the social media companies. I get all the perks from this. I get all the perks from that. You have a choice to make. I got all these followers. Look, I, I post this picture. I get all these likes. Fools, don't be that way. Pornos, the whoremonger, the prostitute, debauchery, which is rampant in these last days. I love how, I mean, I love how this is here. It's painful. It's difficult. But I love how it's here. Because Ephesus in Ephesus, you find beautiful, beautiful saints. In Corinth, you find beautiful saints. But the chastisement in Corinth is a lot heavier than it is in Ephesus. In Ephesus, very, very little chastisement, if any, but there's still warning. Especially among the elders. Hey, some of you guys are going to be wolves. For this you know, you already know this, meaning that Paul told them before. Somebody told them before. A pastor told them before. An elder told them before. This isn't anything new. Tuto este ginosco. You already know this. That no fornicator, unclean person or impure, nor covetous man, which is eager for gain, who is an idolater, 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Whoa, that's heavy. He says, you know, in, in, in verse 5, Tuto este gnosko. You know this already. And if you're listening and you hear, you read verse 5 along with us, have your Bible open and study along. And you read, whoa, well, wait a minute. The fornicator and debauchery and an and unclean person, covetous man, there's no inheritance of the kingdom of God? There's no inheritance? No. That's what the Bible says. My pastor never said this. My pastor never told me this. Well, when these things are revealed, you have a choice to make. Is it healthy for you to submit to such a pastor? But my pastor's female, okay? That's not the formula. Okay, my pastor's male, so it's okay. Okay. You got one qualifier, you know, check mark on one, on one qualifier, you know, male. And he's never taught you this. I've been going to church for 30 years and he's never said this. He's never said this. He's never taught this. Is it healthy for you to submit to such a pastor? When you need to know this. If you're female and you have all the followers on social media, why? Because you, you know, do the, the, the dirty pictures. But I never heard this. I never heard this. Well, now you know. And now that you know, you have a choice to make. You see? My pastor never told me this. Look, he's my number one follower. Well, that reveals even more. Change your ways. When pastors never teach this, number one, why do they not teach it? And that reveals plenty. But when pastors never teach this, that means the parishioners, the pew, the field, they don't know. And if they don't know, that presents a whole array of problems. Remember, in Hosea, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Now that we know, you have a choice to make. It's hardcore. Hardcore, absolutely. But there's no other way to live. You and me, we have to be clean before the Lord. Because the bridegroom is coming. He is coming. Now, turn with me really quick to Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. And in Malachi chapter 1, you see, it's very interesting. We look at these passages like we did in Isaiah a couple weeks ago. But in Malachi 1, you see the people are making their offerings and sacrifice to the Lord. But what are they doing? In Malachi chapter 1, verse 8, look at what they're offering. The blind as a sacrifice. The lame and sick as a sacrifice. And remember in our passages and our studies in the Old Testament, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, nothing mangy. How many times did you hear us say that? Nothing mangy, nothing mangy, nothing mangy. And here in Malachi 1, what are they offering to the Lord as sacrifice unto him? The mangy. And the Lord says in verse 8, is it not evil? But we're doing what Moses says. We're performing the law. We're doing exactly what the law says. Wait a second. Do you not hear the law? 
You see, just like Paul says to Galatians. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? So you can look at this with carnal eyes and be like, well, wait a second. They're doing exactly what Moses says. They're doing the law. They're making a sacrifice and offering to the Lord. But it's mangy. Why are they offering the mangy to the Lord? Probably because of financial gain. Because what is better, they don't want to give to the Lord. The, the better one, the, 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 the ox who's not blind, the sheep that doesn't have a gimpy leg. You know, the, the turtle dove with the busted wing, a broken foot. I don't want to offer that to the Lord because I can make top dollar for that. I can make, you know, $5,000 from this ox. I can make, you know, $200 from this turtle dove. I can make, you know, whatever. I can make whatever. And I'm going to give it to the Lord for free. I'm not going to get any money from it. No, I'm just going to, I'll do the law. I'll do what the law says, but I'm going to give what's mangy. I'm not going to make any, anything, any money off this mangy thing anyways. So I'll give this to the Lord. You see? And what does that reveal in the heart? No sacrifice. You see? No sacrifice. And the Lord through Malachi, you guys, this is evil. This is evil. And people come to synagogue, they go in the outside chambers and they bring their offerings to the Lord and everything looks like everything's fine and dandy. But the Lord who sees the heart, it is not fine and dandy. And so he says to Malachi, Malachi, I got a job for you. And then he says this in verse 10, Malachi chapter 1 verse 10. Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. But wait a second, they're doing exactly what Moses says. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're offering the mangy. And why are they offering the mangy? Now it reveals the heart. You see? Which is hard, not soft. And the Lord is saying, I have no pleasure in you. You do this, I have no pleasure in you. And I'm not going to accept that offering from your hands. He even says, you do it in vain. It is all vain. There, it, it, I'm not, I have no pleasure in you. It's, it's vain. And then you look at the beginning of verse 10. Who is there even among you who would shut the doors? People come with their animals. Imagine Malachi. If he just attempted to shut the door, you know, people would stone him. Oh, Malachi, you're preventing us from worshiping the Lord. The Lord takes no pleasure in what you're doing. Oh, Malachi, you're so mean-spirited. No, the formula must be right, guys. Look, you're offering this ox. He's got an eye hanging out. And you're offering that to the Lord. And I see your flock and you got an ox. It's perfect. Why aren't you offering that one? Oh, don't judge me lest you be judged. You're too mean-spirited. You're so crazy, Malachi. Get out of my face. You're so full of hate. What? How is that full of hate? The formula must be right, guys. You see? Nothing new under the sun. What happened with Israel is happening to the church. You see? Malachi, 
the Lord takes no pleasure in this. Who is there who would shut the doors? Remember Paul when he says to Corinth, your rejoicing isn't good? It's not good. Why? Because the formula is not right. In your heart. In your mind. And because the heart and mind were not, the, 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 the formula wasn't right in your heart and mind, it trickled into your hands and feet. And you see the hands and feet? Somebody's having sex with his dad's wife. You see the drunkards. You see the extortion. You see all the works of the flesh. Because there was no obedience in the mind, in the heart. Now you see no obedience of hands and feet. Corinth needs to be cleansed and washed. And beautiful Chloe had her beautiful role to play in obedience to the Lord. And Paul comes in, okay, remnant, separate. And you get into chapter 2, 2 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians. And remember, those who were separate, those who you separated from, if they, they, anybody has repented and, you know, don't leave them out anymore. He said, bring them back in. You see, reconciliation. The body caring for the body. But the body must be the body. Not reconciliation with, you know, uh, the mutilation. That's why you see passages, beware the mutilation. Because the body cares for the body and the body must be right in accordance with scripture. The formula must be right. Nothing new under the sun. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. In verse 6, now he just said in verse 5, he says, you know, these works of the flesh, the fornicator, unclean person, covetous man, or who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. Then he says in verse 6, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. The church is in trouble, my friends. The church is in trouble today. Why? Because the church is letting themselves be deceived. Why? Because they haven't been taught or they're not yielding to the word of God. You remember our study in 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, when Paul says in verse 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. You may well put up with it. Corinth was in trouble. And Paul's fear in revealing his fear says, I'm afraid that the, the wolf is going to come in, the preacher guy is going to come in with this other Jesus, with this other spirit, with this other gospel, and you're going to put up with him. You're going to put up with her. The church today is in trouble. You know why? When Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, let no one deceive you, deception is already in the camp. We've put up with it. Pastors have permitted these things to enter. And that's disobedience among the pastors and elders, the overseers. That's disobedience on them. 
But because you have the lack of Bereans in the pews, nobody says, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Except the remnant. A remnant knows, such as Chloe. A remnant knows. Okay, I'm like Chloe, so what do I do? Where's the Pauls? Where's the Pauls? You tell me, where are the Pauls? You see? Where are the Pauls? Where are the Peters? Where are the Chloes? Where are the Phoebes? You see? Where? Let no one deceive you in verse 6, Ephesians 5, with empty words or vain words, you see? Truth must be taught. The good, the bad, the ugly truth must be taught. Empty words. How can, the, how can words be empty? The formula must be right. Oh, but my female pastor, I'm going to submit to her because she's a good teacher. No, the formula is not right. She's in disobedience. And if you submit yourself to her, you're in disobedience. Empty words. Why? The formula is not right. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Whoa, that's heavy. That's hardcore. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Turn with me really quick to Romans chapter 1. And in Romans 1, we see this in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth of unrighteousness. Now, God's wrath is coming to this world. As surely as the Lord lives, God's wrath is coming to this world in a global sense. But it is already here in the world, God's wrath. It comes upon individuals. In verse 21, how does this happen? Although they knew God in verse 21, Romans 1, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. Remember what I said earlier about a heart of gratitude, thankfulness? If you have a problem with that, if your heart is not jello and your heart is not rock, but your heart is pine, that's not good. Be very careful with what you perceive to be God. Be very careful with what you perceive to be the Lord because what you're listening to is when your heart is in a state of pine. But when your heart is in a state of jello, softer than the softest jello, it's safer for you. Because the closer you are to stone, the closer you are to deafness, the closer you are to blindness. A lot of Christians today have hearts of pine, not stone, but hearts of pine. Oh, the Lord wants me to do this. The Lord is calling me into this ministry. The Lord wants me to go here. The Lord wants me to go there. The Lord wants me to tell you this. And thus saith the Lord. And very dangerous. When you open yourself up to the pneumos, it's very dangerous. You better be a warrior if you're open to the pneumos. You better be a warrior. You see? So when I say these things, I don't say them to hurt you. You and me, 
We have to align ourselves to the word of God. That's called abiding in Christ. And that's where the only safety is. If your heart is closer to stone, maybe it's oak, maybe it's pine, maybe it's maple. But the closer it is to stone, be very, 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 very careful with what you perceive to be the Lord. If somebody were to, hey, I need some counsel. Can you help me? I would, weird questions I would ask. Weird, weird, weird questions. Because I want to know. What's the condition of your heart? If it's pine, don't listen. If it's pine, don't listen to what you perceive to be the Lord. If it's oak, don't listen to what you perceive to be the Lord. If it's jello, okay. Let's let's pray about this. You see? Satan knows these things. Satan, he loves hearts of stone. But Satan doesn't mind a heart of oak, a heart of pine, a heart of maple, even a heart of balsa. Satan doesn't mind. Why? Because he'll just present himself as an angel of light. Oh, thus saith the Lord, he wants you to enter this ministry. Thus saith the Lord, the Lord is calling you into this ministry to work with the drug addicts. To a heart of pine. A year later... The guy who is a supposed minister is now, you know, a, a, a crackhead. Why? Because it was a trap. Why? Because he listened to the voice that he perceived to be the Lord. And he did so in error because his heart was not jello. It was pine. You see? That's what happened straight up. Verse 21, here in Romans 1, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. Verse 24, therefore God also gave them up. Notice, it's not God gave them up. God also gave them up, which means what? Such a person who was not thankful, nor did they glorify God. Such a person who suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. Such a person whose Subject to the wrath of the Lord right now. Such a person gave up on God. And in response, the Lord is reactionary. Old Testament, New Testament, the Lord is reactionary. In response, God also gave them up. Verse 24, you see? Verse 26, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women, exchanging the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning in their last lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty for of their error, which was due. Lesbianism, homosexuality, bestiality, the unnatural use of the human body. Yes, there is such a thing as the unnatural use of the human body. A lot of men get themselves caught up in pornography. They go to the strippers. They go to the prostitutes. And then they go to their wives afterwards. Oh, wife, you got to do like this. You got to perform like this. I watch this on TV. I watch this on the computer. I watch all these dirty things. And now, wife, you have to submit to me. Look, the Bible says you got to submit to me. Therefore, you have to perform like this. Fools. And a wife who does that in submission to her husband... The husband is a fool and the wife is a fool. 
And we're going to study these things. And a lot of Christians like to end it here. Okay, I'm not a homosexual. I'm not a lesbian. I'm not bestiality. So I'm good to go. No big deal. I'm good to go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold the phone there, my friend. In verse 28, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Verse 29, there's more. It's not just homosexuality, lesbianism, bestiality, all these sexual things, which a lot of Christians say, okay, look, it's it's for the homosexual, it's for the lesbianism, it's for the lesbian, that's not me, so I'm good to go. Hold on, hold the phone. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, sexual immorality. Don't forget that heterosexual sin heterosexual oh i don't do the gay stuff i don't do the lesbian stuff i don't do the bestiality okay don't forget heterosexual sin wickedness covetousness maliciousness full of envy murder strife deceit evil mindedness they are whispers backbiters haters of god violent proud boasters inventors of evil things disobedient to parents whoa I thought it was just homosexuals and lesbians. Nope, there's more to the list. You see? This is the works of the flesh. Which uncorrected, allowed to fester, now you see the wrath of God upon individuals. And I don't want this for you. I don't want the wrath of God on any of you. You see? Oh, you're so mean. You say it so mean. How could you say that? How could I not say it? How could I not say it? We see in verse 31, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You see, oh, it's okay. You know, love is love. So if, you know, I'm not homosexual. So if this guy wants to do that with that guy, no big deal. If this lady wants to do it with that lady, that's no big deal. You know, love is love and God is love. This, you know, your truth, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Your truth, you know. Oh, if it's your truth, you know, you do you. More power to you. You, That's your truth. No, it's Satan's truth. Real truth, truth is found in the word of God. Genesis to Revelation, real truth. Yeah, the, the women pastors. Not aligning with the word of God and a lot of lesbians. A lot of lesbian women pastors who are lesbians. You look at the Episcopal, uh, 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 Methodist, Lutheran. A lot of lesbians. Oh, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. No, you're not. You're not. Oh, but God is love, God is love. Yes, he's love. God is love, and so if they want to express love that way, then that's on them. But wait a second. Remember verse 32. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. There is a better way. His name is Jesus Christ. The real Jesus. A fake Jesus will say, oh yeah, go ahead, do that. You can have a female pastor. A fake Jesus would say that. A fake gospel, a fake spirit. Well, they're, they're real, but they're not the real. A satanic Jesus that doesn't align with scripture. Remember, Jesus Christ says that 
Many false Christs will come. False messiahs. Propagated by false teachers, false prophets. The only way, like in the multitude of Christs, hundreds, thousands, millions, only one is found safety. In only one is found safety. How will we know which is the right one? The only way is when you and me, when we're Bereans and we study the word of God. Because you can have this knowledge of scripture, which is a gift of the spirit. And a female pastor can say, look, God is love. So, you know, love is love. And this guy can express love that way. This lady can express love with this way and with whatever. And you know, because of what the Bible says in Romans 1 and verse 32. No, I can't approve of that. I can't align myself with that. So I know you think you're a pastor female, but I'm not going to fellowship here. I'm out. I'm not going to fellowship in here, here anymore. I know I've been coming here for, you know, 20 years in this Lutheran Episcopal church. But, you know, I see what's happening prophetically. And I know we're living in crazy times and I read my Bible. You know, I know you teach the Bible, but I read my Bible on my own. And what you say is kind of, I get what you're saying, but it doesn't really align with scripture. So I'm out. No more. You see, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Praise be to the Lord. Because loyalty is to Jesus Christ, not a church. When the church goes crazy, you got to jump ship. It's like the Titanic. The Titanic, you know, hits the iceberg. Everybody thought everything, they were, they were going to get in America. Everybody thought everything was going to be fine and dandy. Oh, look, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be in America and everything's fine and dandy. Okay, but what happens when it hits the iceberg? You see? You got to jump ship. There's another way. You got to jump ship. That ship is sinking. So beautiful. It's not... I know there's an element of difficulty because of the ties, the ties to, to people, to families, to friends. But our loyalty is to Jesus Christ. Him alone. Let's go back to Ephesians. We see in Ephesians 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because these thi- of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. That was what we read in, in, in Romans 1. The wrath of God coming upon people. Therefore, in verse 7, do not be partakers with them. Sumetochos in the Greek, sumetochos, which is no union, no eating, you see, and no belonging. You got to jump ship. Where do you see that the formula is not right in the church? The formula is not right with the pastor. And you start to see the works of the flesh in the fellowship. You got to jump ship. You start to see the wrath of God on individuals in the church. You see, oh, but God is love. And so if this guy wants to love this other guy, if these guys want to get married, two guys, if they want to get married, look, they're expressing their love. But the formula must be right. Now the wrath of God is inside the church. 
You, you have to jump ship. You see, you have to jump ship. Do not be partakers with them. In verse 8, for you were once in darkness. That's past tense. You were once in darkness, but now you're the, you're light of, you're, you're, you are light in the Lord. Present tense. Past tense. See, I love, you know, having these conversations with homosexuals and lesbians because sometimes, you know, they get mad at me. Oh, how can you say this? How can you say this? And then we get deep into conversation and say, okay, I get it now. I understand it now. Man, the, the way you say this, you don't say it like other Christians. I went to this other church and he told me I was predestined for hell. I went to this other church and he says, you know, God hates homosexuals. He, I went to this other church and he said, God hates lesbians and all this. So I was out. I was out. And I get that. A lot of Christians like to forget about the heterosexual sex. Sexual sin that is heterosexual. A lot of Christians conveniently like to forget about that. But let the dead bury the dead. If you're homosexual, if you're lesbian, I love you. You could have woken up a lesbian, woken up a homosexual today. But your head can go on your pillow tonight as a new creation in Christ Jesus. No longer lesbian, no longer homosexual. Before Christ, I had my sexual sin. I tell you these things from experience. Not to hurt you, but to tell you the ship you're on is sinking. Come out of her, my people. Take my hand, get in the ark. Come on. Because God loves you. And if that's you, I don't care about whatever sin heterosexual, homosexual, lesbian, whatever. You want to commit your life to Jesus Christ? You hit pause, you listen to the message, how to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you grow, you mature, and you listen because we study the Word of God. And as we study the Word of God, it's only truth that can do these things. The formula must be right inside of you, inside of me. And this is the journey we have until paradise, traversing the lands together. You were once in darkness in verse 8. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. I love this. Which is to examine and discern. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. I love this. Because say you, you committed your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now. And I say praise be to the Lord. I mean, if I could see you face to face, I'd give you a big fat hug. I love you. My new brother, my new sister, I love you. But what is it that you know about Jesus Christ? I mean, not much. If you're a brand, brand new believer, not much. But that's beautiful. It's not a bad thing. You're a brand new believer. I mean, a lady gives birth to, to, birth to a little boy, a little girl. You know, little boy, little girl. Are you going to take that little boy little, and have him perform you know, brain surgery? Take the little girl, have her perform you know, brain surgery? No. The baby wouldn't be foolish. The parent would be foolish. You see? In verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Now you have to grow. Now you have to mature. Discern. Learn to discern. 
Learn to be a Berean, to study the word of God, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You can be a brand new believer, former lesbian, former homosexual, former sex head, former crackhead, former occult, former worship of Mary, former Buddhist, former Krishna, former whatever, I don't care. You know nothing about the Lord except you believe that he's the son of God and he died for your sin. You know nothing about him. I say, praise be to the Lord. And as we grow, we study the Bible, the Lord is going to teach you. It's supernatural. The word of God is spiritually discerned. And in so doing, you're going to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. So you might be a, a former sex head, former crackhead. But like you, you also like to go out on Friday nights and, and beat up people. You know, you're in a fight club. And you know, you praise be to the Lord that you're a brand new believer. But then as you grow and you mature, you're like, man, you know what? I can't beat up people anymore. See, you're changing because you're finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And it's like, wow, you know, I like the fight club. And, but, you know, out of all my friends in the fight club, but you know what? The Lord is preeminent. Jesus Christ is preeminent, which means he's not prominent. He is preeminent, which means he's number one. And you, in obedience to him and yielding to him and yielding to the spirit, okay, no more fight club. I used to be a sex head. No more sex head. I used to be in the fight club. No more fight club. You know, bloody knuckles all, all the time. Why? Because I just love to wail on faces. And now you, you're, you're in the word of God. You're studying the word of God. And yes, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but a baby. And now it's like, okay, no more, no more fight club. So now look, no more sex head, no more fight club. You like alcohol. And you, you, you study, you keep studying, you keep reading, you grow in understanding. And it's like, wow, you know what? I can't be an alcohol, alcoholic. I can't be given over to these things because I want my body to be a vessel of the Lord and used by him. You see, and if you were wishy-washy, you'd say, well, you know, we're all sinners saved by grace. I'm going to do my alcohol. We're all sinners saved by grace. No big deal. You know, so once saved, always saved. So I'll go ahead and, oh, you know what? I'm going to join the fight club again. Once saved, always saved. Oh, you know what? Once saved, always saved. So I'm going to do my sex again. No, it doesn't work that way. I know the false teachers will say that. If you're Calvinist, Reformed, I love you, but you're in a sinking ship. Come out of for my people. Even the reformers today are teaching that it's okay to take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Unbiblical. Listen to our... If you're reformed and Calvinist listen or Presbyterian, listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You'll understand. And so now look what happens when you yield to the word of God. Former sex head. Now as you... Like in verse 10, you're finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You're discerning. You're examining through study of the word of God and yielding to him. You're no longer a sex head. Now you're no longer in the fight club. Now you're no longer alcoholic. You see, and you're moving on to perfection. All your friends, they're going to be like, what in the world? He doesn't, he doesn't drink alcohol anymore. He doesn't do the fight club anymore. Look, his, his hands look like real skin now. His hands aren't bloody, you know, cracked knuckles all over the place and peer, like open skin. And look, I can actually see his hands now. What in the world is happening? Old girlfriends call, you know, hey, I'm free tonight. You want to hang out? Nope. Sorry, toots. You see what's happening? You're being transformed. 
By renewing of your mind, you're being transformed into the image of Christ. You were born into Adam, into the image of Christ, but now you're being transformed by renewing of your minds into the image of Christ inside your heart, inside your mind, and your heart is beautiful, beautiful jello, softer than the softest jello. You see what's happening spiritually? It's supernatural. And you're finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. What's bad is to find out what is acceptable to the Lord and to not do it. That's called disobedience. And a lot of people make excuses for that. Oh, we're all sinners saved by grace. Sola fide, sola fide, sola fide. Brother James would have something to say about sola fide. In fact, he does say something. Faith without works. You see? Faith without works or belief without obedience. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. False teachers would say, okay, yeah, you, you believe in Jesus Christ. Go ahead and do your alcohol again. Once saved, always saved. You see? Go ahead and do your fight club again. Go ahead and do your sex again. Go ahead and do your alcohol again. And then your friends. There's no change. There's no change at all. He says he's a Christian. He's still in the fight club. He's, look, he's got his bloody knuckles. He's, he says he's a Christian. He's still, look, I see him all, with all these girls. He's still in the fight club. And, you know, he says he's a Christian. I see him. He's drinking. He's partying like. What's the difference? He keep, He says I should be a Christian, but what's the difference? I see him. There's no difference. He says he's a Christian, but he's just like he used to be. There's no difference. Why would I want to be a Christian? You see the testimony? You see the witness? Satan knows these things. He likes that. He likes false doctrine. He loves false doctrine, even when it looks like it's Christianity. Even when it looks like it's right. Oh, take this study Bible. Why don't you just read the study Bible? Listen to this guy. He says, take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. He says, once saved, always saved. No big deal. Christians go into the world. Non-believers see it. What kind of witness is this? You see? Satan loves these things. What Satan doesn't like is the heart that is so rendered to Jesus Christ that yields to the word of God and the power of the spirit of the Lord. Satan is terrified of that. You see? And when you get there, once you reach that point of obedience as you're finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, very likely you'll die. Why? Because Satan wants you dead. He'll use his minions to kill you. You see? But to live is Christ, to die is gain. Death has no sting for the Christian, for the believer. You see? Now, I, I say, let, let me rephrase that. Making this the, the, the distinction between field and worker. If you're in the field, you know, there is relative safety, which is waning and will wane absolutely in the last days. There's relative safety. But if you're a worker, if the Lord calls you into ministry, and if you're a worker, absolutely, you're going to have big fat crosshairs on you. Why? Because Satan wants to kill you. Because you're a threat to him. A lot of Christians aren't a threat to him. But there are some that are a threat to him. And if that's you, and you're doing exactly what verse 10 is to find out what is accept acceptable to the Lord, I want to link shields with you. 
I want to link shields with you. And I want to fight. In these last days, I want to fight. A different kind of fight club. <laughs> you see? No more bloody knuckles. But we engage. You see? It's powerful. Satan, you read the book of Acts? You read the book of Acts? Listen to our study through the book of Acts. You'll see, man, this is hardcore. You see a defensive posture, but you know what you also see? A hardcore offensive posture. The work of the ministry. And so we see this in verse 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. You see? When I say these things, you know, jump ship, come out of her, my people, to leave the fellowship, get a new pastor, get a new teacher. I don't say these things lightly or to, you know, to, to say these things like, yeah, no big deal, get a new pastor. It's a huge deal. But I want you to have an immense comfort in hearing me say that, but then also in actually doing it. Because our loyalty is to Jesus Christ and not the fake messiahs which are many in these last days. I'm talking about the real Jesus Christ. Our safety is in him. And when you read passages like in verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Well, when you're a Berean, you know what the unfruitful works of darkness looks like. And if you see that in your church, you got to jump ship. You see, leave. It's not disobedient to leave such a fellowship. It's not disobedience to leave and separate from a pastor that doesn't have the formula and doesn't teach the formula. You see? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You know this translates? This translates as to confute, which is to prove false or defective and rebuke. But in order to prove false and defective, you have to know your Bible. This isn't for babies to do. He doesn't say this to the Corinthian saints in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. He doesn't say that. He gets into spiritual warfare in 2 Corinthians. But in 1 Corinthians, he doesn't say, uh, rather expose them. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You see? Why? Because the first Corinthian saints, they had to not pick their battles, but they had to fight in battles that were that were uh, applicable for them at their state of growth. You see, I meant like the rugby example. Remember, if you listen to our study through Romans, remember our rugby example? The, the, the different stages of growth, but yet all one in Christ. And this isn't for babies to do, to expose them. Because what happens, it's to confute, which is to prove false and defective. It's like if somebody has a, a Rolex watch on their wrist. Now, a Rolex watch, a cheap Rolex, costs about $10,000. And expensive uh, expensive is north of $80,000, but a mid-grade Rolex, maybe $40,000, $50,000. But a cheap one is about $10,000. But if a guy has a Rolex watch on his wrist, Hey, how much did you pay for that? And he's honest. He says, I paid 10 bucks for it. Number one, you know it's fake. You know it's fake. But the guy thinks it's real. 
The guy thinks it's real. How is he going to know that he has an imposter on his wrist? How is he going to know that? I mean, it looks the same. It looks it has, you know, the Rolex font and everything looks nice and everything looks like this and that. How is he going to know that that Rolex is false, is fake? You see? And say the, the metal on it, it's not, it's like a, it's got a weird coating on it to make it look like it is, you know, the, the real Rolex. But it's a $10, it's a, it's, it's a con job. And that metal, the, the, the covering on that, the coating on that metal, it's cancerous. And it's rubbing off on his skin. It's close in contact with the skin. And there's, you know, chemicals in there that it's, it's, it's going into the skin, being absorbed through the pores. And now it's cancerous. It's dangerous for him. So number one, how is he going to know that that Rolex is fake? But then how is he going to know that that Rolex is killing him? You see, number one, how will you know? You need, in order to identify that that Rolex is fake, you have to know what both you know. You have to know what the real looks like, so you can identify the fake. And now that you have this knowledge of what the real Rolexes look like, now that you know, now you see the guy with the wrist, and now you know. Oh, you're you're predestined to have that Rolex, so you're gonna burn in hell. You're you're gonna die of cancer. You know, you're predestined to die. So you know, if it comes to that Rolex, you know, so be it. That's false doctrine. Predestination is absolutely true. But predestination, according to Calvinism, according to Reformed theory, according to Presbyterianism, false. Listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You'll understand. Now the guy with the fake Rolex watch who doesn't know that the Rolex is fake, doesn't know that the Rolex is slowly killing him, now you have a conversation with him. What are you going to say? Number one, how will you say it? You see? That's, that's what to expose them is. is to confute. Which is to prove false. Remember when we looked at second, or, or, or Galatians chapter 1? When, you know, the, uh, the preachers came into town in, in, in Galatians, or Galatians chapter 2, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 2, in verse 4, the Pseudadelphos, the false brethren secretly, secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission for e even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you, might, might continue with you. Now, now, the preacher guys came in, but Paul, a former Pharisee of Pharisees, knew the scriptures. The preacher guy comes in, and Paul, straight up, that's nice. You're teaching crazy town. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to submit myself to you. You're teaching crazy town. It doesn't align with scripture. Oh, Paul, you're so mean. You should be. No, that's a wolf. I'm not going to listen to that guy nor allow him to teach the saints. Why? Because that wolf can kill the sheep. And not on my watch. I'm not going to submit myself to that guy and I'm not going to allow him to teach the saints. Because he's a wolf. And I slay wolves. I kill wolves. Metaphysically speaking. You see? 
They seem to be something in verse 6, Galatians chapter 2, verse 6. They seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me, you see. Oh, he's got his degree, though. He went to this seminary. He did this. He's got his study Bible. That's nice. I don't care. It's against what the Lord teaches. Those who seem to be something added nothing to me. I don't care. He's got a study Bible. He's got his, you know, doctorate in this, doctorate in that, you know, master's in this, master's. That's nice. Who cares? What does he teach? Go grave soaking? Take the mark of the beast? Replacement theology? Glitters the Holy Spirit? I don't care what degree they have. I don't care what doctorate. I don't care what study Bible they have. That's garbage. Don't take the mark of the beast. Glitter's not the Holy Spirit. You see? And I love that so much. But yet, even to the Galatian saints, he says, like he said to the Corinthians, you might well put up with it. And so Paul, he's exposing them. He exposes the false teachers to the Corinthian saints, but he doesn't do so in 1 Corinthians. You see more of it in 2 Corinthians when they're more mature to understand. Galatians, he's exposing them. That's like we see here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them to confute, to prove them false, to show them de defective, to show them, hey, this Rolex is fake, and if you keep wearing this Rolex, it's going to kill you. You just paid 10 bucks for that. See? It's going to kill you. Babies cannot do this. It's not to say babies will never do this because babies need to grow and mature and not be babies anymore. But babies cannot do this. Only the more mature can. Why is this running wild in the church today? Because we've got a lot of babies today. You see? No one's growing and maturing in Christ. In verse 12, it is for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. You see, this is the works of the hypocrite, the works of those who hear only and not do, the works of the solapides. Solapides. No obedience. You see? It is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret, the hypocrite. Remember, only the crucified can correct. Only the crucified can correct. You see? You're a crackhead and you're trying to correct a crackhead? No, that's judgment. Sex head, trying to correct a sex head? That's judgment. You see? Doesn't work that way. Only the crucified can correct. A lot of times people say, oh, don't judge me lest you be judged. Well, that guy can't judge you. He is biblically unqualified. This lady can't judge you. She is biblically unqualified. But this guy can. This lady can. And they're not going to condemn you to hell. But they're going to have a conversation with you. You see? And so we see this in... Verse 12, it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. 
or whatever makes manifest is light. I love this because it, whatever makes manifest is light also transform, translates as whosoever makes manifest is light. I love that. The vessels that the Lord uses, such as Paul, such as Chloe, the vessels that Paul that the Lord uses, such as Paul, such as Timothy, such as Titus. Therefore, he says in verse 14, quoting Isaiah, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. That's why, you know, I don't care what you think. You're in the darkness now. And you're like contemplating. Wow. You know what? Maybe I should come to Christ. Boy, you, you woke up this morning in the darkness and maybe you're in the darkness right here, right now, but also right here, right now. You can change. And I say, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead. Come to Christ. Commit your life to Jesus Christ. Listen to our message that we have. You commit your life to Jesus Christ and be ye born again. Be ye alive. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, which is, you know, to, you know, take heed that you walk circumspectly, which is to be careful and be on guard, to walk diligently and exactly and perfectly. Well, wait a second. How can a person walk perfectly? You have to grow. You have to mature. Is that it? Just growth and maturity? Well, a lot of times a pattern is needed, such as Paul Remember when Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ or follow me as I follow Christ? A pattern is needed. I love it so much. It's so powerful when you see the formula is right in men, in women, young, old, in fellowships. When the formula is right, it's a holy formula. Mankind will hate it. Mankind will see that and speak negatively about it, even rebuke it. But the Lord also sees it. And it is pleasing to him. You see, we see it all through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. People say, oh, you know, Jeremiah, you're so stupid, Jeremiah. Look, we're of the elect. God is for us. Who can be against us? You're so dumb, Jeremiah. And the Lord says, that's my guy. Oh, Hannah, why are you praying? You're just drunk. And the Lord says, that's my gal. Ruth, that's my gal. You see? See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. Not as fools, but as wise. You see? Not the wisdom of the world. The wisdom from the word of God. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, this redeeming the time. If you had to clean the house, for example, and it takes you 10 hours. The house is really dirty. And it takes you 10 hours to clean the house. And you sleep for eight hours. And you wake up. You got two hours left. That means you got to handle some serious business in two hours. You see? No time to... Lollygag, no time to play around, no time for this. You got some serious cleaning to do because you got a 10-hour job to do in two hours. You see? That's what it is to redeem the times. Handle business. And that's why, you know, like in the Corinthian letters, 
Paul says, let some of you who are married, you know, like you be like you are unmarried. Now, he doesn't say that to be okay, if you're married, be like you're unmarried so that you can go to the bars, so you can go to the clubs and, you know, at the bachelor parties and be single. No. He says so that you can please the Father, please the Lord, and work as unto the Lord in ministry. You see? But he doesn't say that to the whole. He says it to a remnant. You see? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now I have a question to my Calvinist and Reformed theory friends. I love you and I exhort you. Come out of her, my people. The ship you're on is sinking. But a question I have. If God predestines a soul to heaven or hell. Now, this is according to Calvinist and Reformed theory doctrine. Why redeem the times? What's to redeem? There would be nothing to redeem. Very interesting. Your theory doesn't hold water to my Calvinist and Reformed theory friends. Your theory does not hold water. It is held next to Scripture, the truth of God's Word, and is found wanting. What you believe, the way you believe it, it is not safe. It might have been safe in the past because, you know, the days weren't as evil as they are now. Eternally speaking, it was not safe. But as we get further in these last days, these things will be exposed. The evil days will wash against the walls of doctrine. And walls will fall. Except for one, the strong tower. Those walls will never fall. And me, I want you out of those cheap walls. And I want you in the walls that are safe. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise. You know how this translates in the Greek? Do not be stupid. Do not be stupid. Therefore, do not be unwise. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, people, in accordance to false doctrine, they say, well, you know, they come up with multiple wills of the Lord. Like he's, you know, bipolar. Crazy. To make excuse for their sin, they create another God. And they call him sovereign. Oh, there's God's will, but then there's God's perfect will. I'm a Christian and I'm in God's will. I'm going to do my crack. I'm going to do my sex. I'm going to do my white lies. I'm going to do my Buddha. I'm going to do my Ouija boards. I'm going to do the occult. And, you know, I'm a Christian, so I'm in God's will. And he predestined me for heaven. But I'm not in his perfect will. His perfect will is that I don't do those things. But I'm in God's will because I'm a Christian, but I'm not in God's perfect will. So they create a bipolar God. And they call him sovereign. But who they call sovereign is not the real sovereign. You see? Oh, there's God's will and then there's his perfect will. That implies that there is imperfection with the sovereign. It is unbiblical. 
It does not align with scripture. Understand what the will of the Lord is. How does that happen? How can a person understand what the will of the Lord is? It happens through relationship, not religion. Religion can't can't touch this. Only relationship as you fall deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the Lord. And as your heart goes from stone to pine to oak to balsa to jello. When your heart is softer than the softest jello, you'll understand what the will of the Lord is. See, a lot of people with, they don't have hearts of rock, but they're close to it. See, they have hearts of pine. Hearts of pine, hearts of oak. Because when your heart is, when you have a thankful heart, when you have a heart that has gratitude, that not emotional, like you're going to cry at everything, you know, but that is soft. You also have ears to hear. You also have eyes to see. But when your heart is pine, It's not to say God can't speak because he does speak, but you need to change frequencies so that you're on the right frequency. Satan loves a heart of stone, but he also doesn't mind a heart of pine or a heart of oak or a heart of maple or a heart of balsa. What he hates is a heart that is softer than jello. He hates that because he knows That's a different bear right there. That is a different bear right there. That heart of jello that is softer than the softest jello, that's a different animal. You see? Why? Because the heart of jello is now a threat to Satan. Remember, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who in the world are you? That's what the demon said to the sons of Siva. And they lost that fight. They got beat up. And so we see this in closing. Verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Do not be intoxicated with wine in which is dissipation. Now this dissipation is recklessness to a state of being conquered. A lot of times people say, Oh, we're all sinners saved by grace. We're all sinners. And you know what? I'm I'm in God's will because I'm a believer, but I'm not in his perfect will. You see, they turn God into bipolar. They turn God into bipolar. They call him sovereign and they get drunk with their wine. They drink their wine. They're intoxicated with their wine in which is dissipation, which means what? There is no victory. Being tossed to and fro by various doctrine. Never victorious. Why? No power. This is where you find the argument, oh, the, the Holy Spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. That was the, the power you see in the book of Acts. That's not for today. That's in accordance to another dispensation. But I say that's in accordance to another dissipation. No power, no victory. You see? Oh, I'm in God's will, but I'm not in his perfect will. They make God bipolar. They call him sovereign. Meanwhile, they're getting drunk with their wine. Let them drink their wine. Let them drink their wine. And Paul says, don't do that. The vessel of the Lord says, don't do that. 
Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Very interesting. Where was the Spirit in the former? When you're drinking your wine in which is dissipation, where is the Holy Spirit? Oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. You see? Paul says don't do that. The alternative is to be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You see, as a body, worship unto the Lord. As a body, oneness unto Him. So beautiful to have fellowship of the saints, the ecclesia, the hagios, oneness, a body of believers, young, old, male, female, Everybody sold out to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in obedience to the Lordship. And when I say sold out, I don't mean, I mean sold out like nothing else matters. Only Jesus Christ. Not, you know, oh, church is a social club. Church is a social club. Look, we're going to, like when we see in, 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 in verse 4, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, not proper for the saints. Oh, what? The church is a social club. I, this guy's been my best friend for 20 years. This this lady's been my best friend for 20 years. Yeah, she's got a dirty mouth. She's got a foul mouth. Coarse jesting. And Paul says, that's not proper for Christians. That's not proper for saints. Oh, you're a legalist. Well, I'm, not, I'm not a legalist. Look, in Ephesus... You see saints. In Corinth, you see saints. Everybody's a saint that are Christians. Everybody's a saint. But then we see the type of saint. You see? The type of saint. Well, what do you mean? I thought we're all one in Christ. Yes, we're all one in Christ. But when I say we see the type of saint, you see people who believe but disobey. But then you see people who believe and obey. And the ones who believe and disobey, they'll call the, of whom you find the dissipation. They drink their wine. They want to be, you know, the, oh, you know, there's God's will. There's God's perfect will. And I'm in God's will. And I want to be in God's perfect will. And they make God bipolar. And they call him sovereign. Idolatry. That's another God. They create another God to please their flesh. Yes, Flesh, which means what? Uncircumcision. These are, these are deep spiritual and doctrinal matters. You see? But we have a choice to make. You and me, we have a choice to make. Being filled with the Spirit. A lot of people have religion. Having not the Spirit. Religion cannot save you. Being sealed by the Spirit with the Helper, the Paracletus, to help you in your walk with Christ. And when you find that oneness of the body, the Ecclesia, these are things that Corinth didn't have at first, but the remnant gained again. In order for the remnant to gain that again, they had to separate. You see? In, the, in order for the remnant of these last days to gain that again, separation needs to happen. And I say this to encourage you. 
and to give you joy because you're among the remnant and there's an, a pain that's associated with that. But be of good cheer. Speaking to one another in verse 19, not in dirty jokes, in psalms. Verse 19, in hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. You see, worship. Giving thanks always. Remember the warning I gave earlier. If you have an unthankful heart, or you have a heart that doesn't express gratitude, be very, very, very careful with what you perceive to be God. Because that's also the realm of spiritual attack. Satan presenting himself as an angel of light. A lot of Christians, oh, the Lord is calling me into ministry. I'm going to go minister and give the gospel to these prostitutes. Look, surely God would want them to be Christians. Yes, he wants them to be Christians. But is that your fight? Is the Lord calling you? Oh, how dare you say that? Look, the Lord wants them to be Christians, and so it's going to be me. I'm going to give them the gospel. A couple months later, you're their number one customer. It was an attack. You see? I don't say these things to be, like, mean. But we have to be honest. We have to be honest and wise to the times. Applying biblical wisdom, not worldly wisdom. Biblical wisdom. Because this world will burn. This world is fading and will burn. And if we apply the wisdom of this world to an eternal problem, it doesn't work that way. That's not the formula. You see? Giving thanks always in closing, verse 20. Always. For all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. You know, verse 21 is very, very, very beautiful. But I'll say this. Very, very, very dangerous when the formula isn't right. You see? Because... Paul doesn't say this, verse 21, he doesn't say this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it's revealed that they're babies. They, they're believers, but they're babies. It's revealed in chapter 5, okay, this is the works of the flesh, separate. And he doesn't say in 1 Corinthians 4, he doesn't say submit to one another in the fear of God. Why? Because it wouldn't apply to them. The remnant cannot submit themselves in the fear of God to leaven. You see? Separation is required. And when that separation happens and growth and maturity happens among the remnant, now submission to one another can happen in the fear of God. But when there's no fear of God, and people, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ, but come on, let's go do our crack. I believe in Jesus Christ. Let's go to the strippers. Let's go do our prostitutes. Let's go do our Buddha. Let's go do our occult. I believe in Jesus Christ. A Christian who loves the Lord and fears the Lord can never, ever, ever submit to such a person. Never. You see? 
because it is dangerous. Where are the pastors? Where are the pastors to teach this? Where? Now we see this danger of the last days. It's easy to understand why judgment comes first to the house of God because the church has to be a mess and the church will get further into a mess and the church is a mess. But I'm called to teach the living. I'm not called to teach the dead. The Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High, called me to teach the living. What boat are you in? And I say to you, echoing the words of Paul and also that of Isaiah, in accordance to the Spirit, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. We're going to end our study here and pick up in next week in continuing of this chapter. But we're going to end here. And to the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days, God bless you. I love you.